You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Mizzou That's Who. Well, the Missouri Tigers do not get the upset as they travel down to Athens, Georgia, take a 30-21 loss to the number two ranked Bulldogs in the country. According to the College Football Playoff Committee, they are number one ranked in the AP poll, still ranked number one in the AP poll. We'll get into that a little bit later. I'm Tucker Franklin. It's your post-game show here, the Mizzou That Two post-game show. Uh, brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel. Love the folks there. Make sure to go check them out. Homefieldapparel.com. Use code KCSN23. If you have not had a first order yet there, you get 15% off your first purchase. So thank you to the friends, our friends at Home Field Apparel for uh, for hooking us up, outfitting us, making sure we look nice. They got great Mizzou designs over there. Uh, but ultimately, Missouri does fall 30-21 to 21 to the Bulldogs. And it, it, what was a really good game, truthfully, in Athens, uh, Missouri holds their own in it until the very end, can't but can't quite get it done. I'm gonna hit a couple big things, uh, some of some of my big takeaways before uh, we we head into kind of the game recap of this. I've made some notes throughout the game, of some some turning points, some key plays, some big things that I wanted to talk about really in each drive because it was a pretty uh, pretty action packed game in Athens. Two thirty kickoff time in the Central time, one of my favorite times uh, for college games to kick off. Truthfully. Especially watching at home, I think that's a good little time slot there. SEC loves to put uh, good matchups there. I mean, SEC had a loaded schedule uh, last week, truthfully, this weekend. Uh, so lots of really good games going on in the SEC. This is just one of them. Uh, Missouri does not get there. They are not in the driver's seat currently for the SEC. East. still have a lot of big games coming up. Again, something we'll hit on here later, but they do drop to Georgia 30-21. to And listen, going into this game, one of the things that I really, I don't want to say harped on. One of the things that I was really focusing on for this Missouri team was this margin of error against the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia's a really good football team, and you don't need me to tell you that, right? Number one in the AP poll, number two in the college football playoff rankings. They could be number one by the time, you know, Tuesday rolls around and they have another another college football playoff rankings come out. Uh, but that's a this is a good football team. The margin of error against this team is very slim. You can't make a whole lot of mistakes. And to dig out of those holes against a team that has been rolling as good as Georgia. Now, as of late, starting off the season, Georgia didn't start off the season as strong as maybe a lot of people had anticipated Georgia to start the season off. As of late, they've been rolling. They kind of rolled over Florida, rolled over Kentucky, two teams that I anticipate Missouri to handle business against. They did handle business against Kentucky, but Florida's won, especially with the game that they were in with Arkansas. I don't think Arkansas is good. I've said that on the podcast several times, and I think Florida's even worse than Arkansas, and they somehow beat them, uh, or they, they lost in overtime. I, I, I think those two games, I, I didn't take a whole lot from on the Georgia side of things, looking at it heading into this game. I didn't really think that those two teams were up to Missouri's caliber. I think Missouri had been playing better than both of those football teams. And Missouri stuck with them. Missouri hung with it. The Missouri had the lead uh, at the half. And it looking like a lot of the time here, or tied tie ball game at the half, sorry. Uh, but then they had the lead right after the half, taking a 13 to 10 lead right after halftime. 
So uh, it is one of those things where Missouri was right in the ball game, a ten to ten ball game at the half. Missouri, the number twelve team according to the playoff uh, committee, because uh, I think that's what we're using now. We're throwing the AP poll out the window. We're using the playoff rankings uh, currently. If the if the playoffs would have started, Missouri would have been in it with the twelve team playoff. That's too. That's such a shame. But um, the margin of error against the Georgia Bulldogs small. And Missouri just made one too many mistakes. They might have made two too many mistakes. The penalties from the discipline, it's a very disciplined football team. Those, those Georgia Bulldogs are a very disciplined football team. Uh, they didn't take a whole lot of penalties on the day, and I think that might might have uh, played into it a little bit. A couple interceptions from uh, from the quarterback, a couple decisions from the quarterback that I wasn't a huge fan of from Brady Cook. Um, and that's really what it, what it comes down to is you can't make, you can't turn the ball over twice against the Georgia Bulldogs. Can't do that. They'll, they will make you pay for that, especially with how good their defense is, how good their, their offense has really been rolling. I know Missouri's defense did uh, 30 points is a little misleading there towards the towards the end of the game. It felt like Missouri's defense played a little bit better than allowing 30 points uh, to me. Uh, but man, you can't you just can't put yourself in situations to take bad penalties. Uh, the Norwood pass interference was a pass interference. I know a lot of people have a lot of uh, a lot of gripes with that one. It was a pass interference. He can't do that in that situation. That's what I, that's what it comes down is you can't end up doing that in the situation. And the biggest thing I come back to, Missouri had the ball. They were rolling. Quarterback makes a bad decision. Listen, the running back was open. I don't want to say it was a bad decision, actually. I'm going to backtrack on that one. I don't know if it's necessarily a bad decision. It doesn't make a good throw in that choice. He doesn't see the 345, 350-pound lineman in his way. Uh, the running back was open. Probably had room to run to. They were rolling that drive. Maybe they go down and score. They had an opportunity to win the ball game, uh, and, and they made a mistake. Georgia made them pay, and that's just what good teams do. Georgia's a great team. Georgia's won two national championships in a row. They haven't lost in that stadium in 25 straight games, 26 straight games, whatever it is now. I, You can't make mistakes against that Georgia Bulldogs team. Missouri just made too many of them. Listen, they still made mistakes and were still in the game too. And I think that's something that you should you should think about from this game too. They made mistakes and were in it. They're just ultimately they made too many mistakes down the stretch to win that game uh, from Georgia. There's still a lot to play for too. There's still a lot to play for for the Missouri Tigers. Uh, listen, we talked about uh, Missouri didn't have it wasn't nothing to lose for Missouri going into this game. Missouri had things to lose, right? Now, like losing this game means that they're not going to make the SEC championship game. They're not going to be in Atlanta. They're not going to be playing what looks like Alabama, depending on if Alabama takes care of business against Ole Miss next week. They're not going to be. They're not going to be there. But they still have an opportunity to play themselves into uh, maybe possibly a New Year's Six bowl game. They went out. They they win a lot of games. We'll talk about this a little bit more. But they, they've they've still got a lot to play for, despite not having the SEC championship game up in front of them to play for it. Georgia controls it there. And it looks like it's going to be a, a pretty commanding, uh, a pretty commanding Georgia lead in the SEC East there. So um, listen, good football team. I don't think we can be too upset about how Missouri played. Obviously the team's not going to take any moral victories, but I think of a 31 or 30 to 21 performance against the, the what should be what some are saying, the number one team in the country, the team that's won back to back national titles, a team that had had the number one offense in the country up until a few weeks ago, a team that's going to have several players on that team playing on Sundays. 
I don't think you can be too disappointed. You can, yeah, you can be upset that they didn't win the game ultimately, and there were a couple of de- decisions that maybe weren't the best that ultimately costed them the game. You can be upset about that. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be upset if you're upset about that. But ultimately, this just shows the gap between good and great, right? I think this shows the gap between great teams and good teams. I think Missouri's a really good football team. I think Georgia's a really great football team. And there, there's a gap there. And, and, and the margin of victory against really great football teams, sorry to harp on it, but I, I think this is so important when you look at this. It's very small. For these really good teams, they're disciplined. The, the, the great teams are disciplined. They, they don't make many mistakes. And when they make mistakes, they can they can fix them. They bounce back easy. Uh, the, they're I, 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 I'm much shook about how like well-disciplined the Georgia team was. Now that they did slip up a little bit, they had a, lot, they had a few more penalties than they usually did in that game. Uh, but I, I thought overall, uh, you can just see the, just the the difference. There was a difference. There was a difference between really good, really good teams and a great team uh, like the Georgia Bulldogs. There, but let's go ahead. Let's get into the uh, the game recap, the game summary here, as we're going to start at opening kick. You know, I think Mizzou got a huge win. Honestly, starting off, Missouri defense got a huge stop. They forced them to a field goal, right? They forced that Georgia D team to a field goal. They moved the ball well. The defense stepped up when they needed to. Uh, Georgia took a 3 nothing lead, but then Missouri answered right back. Uh, that was huge. I think that was absolutely huge in this game to show, hey, look, we're not going to be scared. We're not scared of that little number by your name. Uh, their offense was humming two third down conversions, some creative play calling a deep ball to Luther burden was perfect, perfectly thrown ball, 39 yard touchdown pass to Luther burden, uh, from Brady cook gave them a seven to three, uh, lead. And listen, it was kind of a, it was kind of quick moving first quarter. Most of these offenses moving the ball, uh, pretty well. I, I mean, Georgia was on the move at the end of the first two. The offense was able to, to move it. Georgia, Getting a lot on the ground. They were averaging 4.27 yards per carry. Carson Beck, six of nine for 80 yards in that first uh, in that first quarter. And I think what what was so impressive about the Georgia offense to me, especially early on, Beck was able to make a, make uh, Mizzou play with the, with his legs, and that was something traditionally like I don't think a lot of teams like you know it's there, but you're not gonna like. When defending Brady Cook, you want to maybe have a spy every now and again. We saw Georgia move to a spy. You you usually don't do that with with uh, Carson Beck, but he was able to make uh, make them make them pay, make Missouri pay with his legs and a couple. Uh, There's a big third down conversion specifically. He made them pay, and uh, Georgia kept off that drive with a six yard screen pass to Dominic Lovett. Ten uh, seven Georgia, just at the, early at the in the second quarter. Uh, but then, then both teams kind of it kind of stalled out here a little bit as um, Missouri gets some good plays from from Theo Weiss, but can't capitalize. Some interesting play calls. There, there were two couple throws that were off target from Brady Cook there. I think that kind of compiled a little bit of of struggles there. A stretch run the boundary on third and ten wasn't my favorite, but hey, look, Cody Trader ran the ball well, uh, and I don't think we can complain too much about wanting to get the ball into into his hands as, as uh, Mizzou punted. On uh, on their their third drive, I believe. No, there's yeah, no, their second drive in the game. They they ended up punting, punting. Uh, and, and Georgia starts at their own ten yard line. Lab McConkey made a good play. Mizzou gets a stop, uh, able to force the punt there. And I think I think Mizzou gained a little bit of momentum there, especially getting able to stop that uh, stop that Georgia the Georgia offense that you know had been rolling, had scored 
uh, a touchdown and, and moved the ball well in that first drive. And listen, that, that UGA crowd was a factor too as Mizzou got the ball back. They got some false starts. Uh, that forced Mizzou to go to timeout right after the fall start. And uh, yeah, it, it was, it was definitely a home field advantage there for, uh, for Georgia, but they are able to, to tie the game up with a field goal there to take it 10, 10. And that score would keep all the way uh, to halftime. A couple missed shots, a couple things that could have got Mizzou the lead uh, heading into it, but the defense really stepped up uh, towards the end of the first half there. Uh, for the Tigers, Missouri got the ball back uh, to start the half, maybe hoping to to get a touchdown, get back on top, they kick a field goal. Harris Demevis became, I believe, the all-time leading scorer with that 41-yard field goal there, 13 to 10 Missouri. As uh, Georgia all night, all day was really getting good field position on kickoff return, and really on special teams. I think that's, I think Georgia had the nod in special teams and and where they were able to put their offense in great positions with what they were able to do on special teams, kickoff return, punt return, everything like that. I thought uh, that was really impressive. And, and that good field position did lead uh, to a touchdown uh, from for uh, for Georgia and that to put them up 17 uh, to 10. And, and I think that there was a disconcerting signals on that call. There was a, uh, a defensive pass interference call. That was the one by by Norfleet. I do think was uh, Norwood, sorry, Norfleet's tight end. Uh, I do think that that was the right call. Uh, I just don't think that you can do that in that situation. I understand why, like why he did. He's he be a little bit. I think he was in right position. Though. I don't know if he had to grab him again. Frustrating for sure. Absolutely frustrating. But um, they get a 14 yard run from Kendall Milton there who did have himself a day. Mizzou was playing the run well until that, until that touchdown run as well. Uh, but that gives Georgia the uh, 17 to 10 lead and a couple of big mistakes from Mizzou on kickoff return. Marquise Johnson takes it out of the end zone. He catches it like going into the end zone and then he, and then he took it out of there and then it just kind of compiled, piled up from there. Uh, Mizzou called for a hold after that as well, but they really were leaning on Cody Schrader and, and as they should, because he's been incredibly reliable little questionable play call on third and three, I thought, on that drive as, as well as they go through throw a quick slant. Um, while Cody Schrader had been running the ball really well, and they call a slant there, and that just doesn't connect. Um, they got to give it They give it right back. There's been too many mistakes between uh, false starts, uh, miscommunications, everything like that. I thought they're uh, down seven points at that point. I thought there had been too many um, miscommunications. And what was a really big part, you know, Missouri – uh, they get the ball back, uh, or Georgia gets the ball back, excuse me, and they're 6 of 11 on third down heading into the fourth quarter. And, and that was a really, really a big a big thing for the Missouri defense was extending these third quarter, or extending these third down drives. And a lot of times it was with penalties. I think we'd seen a lot recently in the last few Mizzou games. Is penalties were extending their drives, uh, but that was that was really frustrating. One of one on fourth down two for the for the Bulldogs as well. Oliver Delp getting a uh, five yard touchdown pass there at the end of the third quarter. Uh, they had a the Bulldogs had a twenty four to thirteen lead heading into heading into the fourth. Uh, but but here's the thing: is, is Cody Schrader does his thing. Cody Schrader gets gets uh, gets Mizzou right back in it as they get a twenty four 
to 21. They cut the lead to 24 to 21. 12 yard touchdown run, two point conversion. Good. I, th- I like the play call on the conversion. I liked how they were keeping the ball on the ground. Huge play from Makai Miller right there. 23 yard touchdown pass. And there's a huge play from Brady Cook as well. 11 yard pass to Mookie Cooper. And listen, Cody Schrader has become the bread and butter of this team. I don't like to be the the hard nose run the football guy, but when Cody Schrader's cooking, this team is cooking. Um, no pun intended with Brady, but I I think that Cody Schrader has really been the backbone of this offense, and he is really what helps them tick, what helps Luther get going, and everything like that. Is if they don't have to lean on Luther, and maybe Cody's Cody's getting some things going, they got to respect the run that opens up a whole lot more uh, for this Missouri offense. And again, going into Listen, Missouri's only down three points here, and Georgia gets another good field position return on kickoff return. And I, again, I, and I circled that play went on my on my notebook. Once that happened, I said they keep getting good field position on kickoff return. That's going to be uh, that's going to be a big one. But that drive was a very interesting drive as well as there was a baffling defensive pass interference call on a way overthrown trick play. They tried the trick play that I think has been kind of taking the football by storm. It's ran a couple times by the Lions. I think the Vikings ran it a little bit. It's where it's like a double reverse, and you pitch it back to the quarterback, and he throws it deep to a tight end usually is what it is. Um, and, it, and it works, but Carson Beck way overthrew. I think it was Oliver Delp at that point is who he threw it to. And I think he way overthrew him, and I'm not sure why it was called defensive pass interference. And then he had the reviewed call if it was if, if Carson Beck on the next play through the screen pass or back to the line of scrimmage. If it was, it was offensive pass interference. So it, it was all very confusing. It was a confusing sequence because it wasn't explained very well. It led, led to a uh, 29 yard field goal uh, from Georgia at that point. Good stop in all honesty, a good stop by the Missouri defense after the circumstances. I am still baffled by that defensive pass interference. That was way over his head. It was way over all over Delp's head or whoever it was out there. I think it was Delp uh, who was out there. That was that was not a great call. I know a lot of people are going to blame officials for for the Missouri game and stuff like that for for keeping uh, for keeping Georgia in it and keeping Georgia's home win streak alive. Yeah, they weren't going to lose to Missouri. The officials didn't want them to lose to Missouri and lose that home winning streak to Missouri. Uh, I don't want to go that far with it, but there were a couple of questionable calls really on both sides uh, of the ball. But listen, Missouri had the ball twenty seven to twenty one. They're down six points. A, a touchdown gives them the lead, and they're cooking. They are cooking. They've got the ball. They're moving the ball. They're around midfield. Brady Cook throws the interception to the defensive lineman, nearly takes it back to the house, but a penalty wipes out the return. Um, just kind of an unreal, surreal sequence, truthfully, if I can speak candidly about uh, that whole thing, watching that play develop. Missouri was moving the ball very well in that drive. They started, I believe, close to their 25, and it might have been a touchback, and they're moving the ball near midfield. A couple big plays from Schrader, from from Cook, some some big-time plays. And I believe Schrader's open on this screenplay. If I went back and watched it, he's open. He's there. He just never sees the 350-pound off defensive lineman in front of him wearing bright red. Um, it would... Greatly unfortunate because man, that could have been a that could have been a Brady Cook legacy drive right there. That could have really uh, done a lot for Brady Cook in terms of uh, him with the fan base. Unfortunately, 
Might have done the opposite, but uh, UGA gets the ball back. They run some clock. They're able to get a 47-yard field goal, push the score to 30-21, which uh, ultimately is the uh, the final score of the game. Listen, at the, at the end of the game there, Missouri did have the ball. Georgia had Cook rattled. I mean, he was, he was rattled towards the end there. He throws the pick to end the game. Now, Mizzou could have scored, could have got the inside. There's, there's a lot of things that could have happened, but I think truly after the interception to the defensive lineman, I truly think that, that that was almost a nail in the coffin at that point. You can't make that mistake in that circumstance to that team. Uh, all of it just kind of compiled from there. Uh, Cook's interception wasn't wasn't a great wasn't a great interception. The the last one, his second one there, uh, but the, I think the first one was a little bit bigger, uh, a little bit bigger considering uh, the circumstances. UGA able to get the ball back, lead the clock to take it to that thirty to twenty one win, as I mentioned. But we're going to take a break before we get into the voicemails and to what people have to say about this game. Appreciate you guys listening to us. we got to give a shout-out to our friends at Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. Make sure to go check them out. they got Mizzou. They've got Toledo. They've got Idaho, Idaho State, uh, Cal, uh, Washington, Florida State. I could name 150 schools right now in this little segment right there because they have 150 plus different colleges at homefieldapparel.com. Go check them out. Use code KCSN23 for 15% off your first order if you're going to make an order at homefieldapparel.com. They've got great Mizzou stuff. they got a great selection from baseball to basketball to football. It's just general Mizzou as well. They've got some good stuff that you can wear to literally any sporting event. So get ready for basketball season. Get ready for the home stretch of football season with homefieldapparel.com. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, we're back on the Mizzou That's Who postgame show. Let's get into the voicemails. This first one is from Mike. Mike, what do you got for us? I'm pretty okay with the outcome. I think Mizzou is clearly a top 15 team, not a top five team. So if you're going to play a team like Georgia, you can't have the turnovers. Um, obviously, some questionable calls in there, but without the turnovers, I think they could have overcome that. So would have loved to come out of Athens with a win, but I think Mizzou is pretty much who who, who we thought they were. Um, so still on pace for a great season. So overall, would have loved to win, but still on track. Thank you, Mike, for that voicemail. Again, after the game, I post uh, the link on my Twitter account, This uh, the SpeakPipe link. You can go leave your voicemails. Give your thoughts, your reactions, everything that you want to uh, to let us, let us talk about here on the Mizzou That's Who Post Game Show as I, uh, as I hang out with you guys, talk about the game. Um, yeah, Mike, uh, one thing that stuck out for me is they are who we thought they were. The kind of the, uh, was it Dennis Green? Is that who said that? Uh, for the Arizona Cardinals versus Chicago Bears. And I think that that, that is, is, is interesting because that, this game was going to be a separator, right? If, if Mizzou was going to be a really good team or a great team this year, that would, this was going to be the separator, obviously playing the two-time national champions. Like there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot of juice on the opponent that they're playing here. If they're able to take them down in that long winning streak would have been nice, but I do think that, you know, heading into the season, my expectations for Mizzou wasn't nine and four. It wasn't, uh, I guess it'd be nine and three. It wasn't, it wasn't seven and four. Seven and five, I mean, whatever the math is, it it wasn't it wasn't an eight win, a nine win. Like I I was I was thinking this was a seven win, eight win team if it, if it was a good season. Now I had to adjust my my uh, my expectations quickly after they had the performance against Kansas State. After they looked uh, well against Memphis, I mean they looked they look they just looked like a better football team than we than I at least anticipated heading into the season. It, and I don't think it's unfair to think that they could have beat Georgia. They were in that game. They were in that game in the fourth quarter. They had the ball with a chance to win the game. That's not nothing. Like that's that's something that I guess losing programs that losing teams will say that right to take a moral victory from it. I'm not on the team though, so I can do this. That's that's something to I think as a Missouri fan to to take from this game. You had the ball with a chance to take the lead on the two-time national champions who haven't lost a game in what seems like the Biden administration in the fourth quarter with time winding down you had the ball with the opportunity to take the lead on the two-time defending national champions who haven't lost a game in at least two two seasons. Three seasons going on, probably. They'll probably win the national title again this year. 
I know it's not fun to take like moral victories from games like this. What I have, I would love to be talking about a win right now. But a game like this is easy to look at the silver lining of, I guess. It sucks they didn't win. I get it. Winning is the only thing that matters. Yes, I know that. I get that. But having the ball with a chance to win in the fourth quarter after your team's been 500 the last three years against the number two team in the country, number one by the AP, that's pretty good. But pretty good... Pretty good can't be enough, right? Eventually, you got to not be pretty good. I think Missouri's working themselves in the right direction. I think it's easy to look at the silver lining here. Eli Drinkwitz wasn't happy with the results of that game. He wanted to win the game. I think everyone in the locker room wanted to win that game. They could have won that game. For people saying that like Mizzou was never going to win that game, that's not true. Mizzou, Mizzou had an opportunity to win that game. Mizzou was in that game. Don't let them tell you that Mizzou... Oh, Mizzou was never going to beat Georgia. Mizzou... Mizzou... What? No, they, they were never going to win. Don't let them tell you that. This program's going in the right direction. Year four under Eli Drinkwood seems to be a pretty good one. Not a great one. A pretty good one. Would love to see a great year coming up pretty soon for me, Eli Drinkwood. It's interesting... I think I think they are a top 15 team. Looking at the AP poll, uh, the AP poll came out on Sunday, had them moving from 14 down to 16, so it doesn't really move a whole lot. A lot of that probably has to do with the teams underneath them. Oklahoma State is a big win there. Um, I'm curious to see what happens in the uh, college football playoff rankings where Mizzou lands. There were big wins from Oregon State, Oklahoma State, Louisville. Tennessee played UConn, but still getting a win. I don't think I don't think this loss is enough to drop Missouri too far. I still think there's a lot of stuff to play for in front of them. We'll talk about that later, but I, I still think there's a ton to play for for the Missouri Tigers. And I still think they're a really good football team, but just really good, not great. They are who we thought they were. Not great, but really good. They are. They're a really good football team. All right, let's get the old ball, coach. Shout out the old ball coach. He had a voicemail last week. He had a voicemail this week as well. Giving us his thoughts on the game. What do you got for us, coach? That's the old ball coach. Give Cody Schrader the ball more and find some other running back other than Pete to get some more carries. That's all. Appreciate you, coach. Yeah. Listen, I I mentioned it in the game recap, man. Uh, Cody Schrader's running the ball really well. He is... Shocker, he's a good football player, and I think he is a he's a good running back. Uh has been underestimated kind of his whole his whole career, which makes the story of him leading the SEC and rushing so good. Looking at the uh the box score here for Cody Schrader, he uh 22 carries, 112 yards, averaging five yards a carry. Man, shout out Cody Schrader. That dude is a dog. He plays well, but your second leading rusher probably shouldn't be your quarterback. 10 yards, or 10 carries, I should say, excuse me, for uh, 39 yards. Works out to 3.9 per carry. Nate Pete gets two carries on the day. 
zero yards. Two carries, zero yards for Nate Pete. There's no complimentary action to uh, Cody Schrader. I think they've tried it a few times with like Luther Burden, uh, trying to get him on some jet sweep apps and just trying to get the ball into his hands. Luther Burden is is uh, it's an interesting. He he was hurt in this game. I know a lot of people point to the the box score and say, "Oh, he had three catches, fifty three yards." Get get Luther the ball more. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd love to get Luther the ball more. I'd love Luther to have the ball every play, but uh, dealing with a little bit of an injury there. I think Georgia was uh, Georgia wanted to take Luther away. Georgia basically said, "Let Theo Weiss beat us." Five catches, ninety yards for Theo Weiss on the day, as well. Uh, Mookie Cooper, three catches or two catches, excuse me, for thirty-two yards. So uh, big time there. Yeah, I would love to see a little complimentary back action uh, with with Cody Schrader there. Twenty-two carries is a lot to, to shoulder uh, for a guy, and his his jersey was looking all kinds of different colors too. That white jersey was looking uh, <laughs> looking pretty dirty. The the equipment guy is going to have have himself a of, of a time trying to clean that Cody Strader jersey. But right, I, I think, Coach, what you're talking about too, and, and I, I saw this a little bit in the LSU game, where Missouri's having success running the football. They've had a lot of success this season running the football, but they but they seem to get away from it too quickly. It happened in the LSU game where they're having success running the football, but they think, Man, we got to keep up with Jaden Daniels. We got to sling that. We got to sling the rock. We got to throw the football. We got to get the ball into into Theo Weiss. We got to get the ball into Mookie Cooper. We got to get it to Luther Burden. We got to sling this thing all over the place. But they don't have to. Cody Strader's been incredibly reliable. Five yards a carry on twenty-two carries is not nothing. They, they're running the ball well, and it is something that I find interesting about about just like the play calling of you know. Kirby Moore hasn't play called at Missouri for this is the first year, obviously, even play calling at Missouri, just trying to feel him out, feel out his his play calling styles and everything like that. But one of the things that I have noticed in these two pretty big games, the two biggest games they've they've had, they've negated the run when they have been running the ball well. I'm interested to see how they do against Tennessee, what they do against Tennessee there. Um because Man, I think they're gonna need to run, lean on that run game a little bit, and uh, God forbid, knock on wood, knock on every piece of wood that you can find that Cody Strader uh, is stays healthy for the rest of the season because he's been huge in this offense. He has been the backbone of this Missouri offense. He's been critical. He's been absolutely huge. There's no, I don't know if there's a right superlative that I can find that properly describes how uh, vital he is to the Missouri offense, and when things matter. He's the safety valve. If you see a lot of on these plays of Brady Cook, that's his safety valve when he's throwing the football too. He'll throw the football to to, to Cody Schrader out in space when he doesn't have anything downfield. He'll he'll flick it to Cody Schrader. So that guy he, he is crucial to this offense. Um, and man, twenty two carries, pretty heavy day. I believe Nate Pete Nate Pete did have two carries this day, but I don't think he had any against South Carolina. I'm going to double check that real quick, but I'm pretty sure he didn't have any carries against South Carolina. Oh, I guess technically two weeks ago, because uh, Missouri was coming off the bye. Because I saw some people frustrated on Twitter that Missouri uh, came out and didn't win this game. If they had two weeks to prepare for it, that doesn't bother me. Florida's a good football team, or not Florida? Georgia's a good football team. Um, that that one didn't really that didn't 
stick in my craw if you if you if you know what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, nope, no carries for Nate Pete against South Carolina. I went and double check that for you. Twenty six carries. Golly, twenty two carries against Georgia. Twenty six against South Carolina. Uh, he's he's shouldering the load. Twenty against Kentucky. 13 against LSU. See, they really got away from the run against LSU. He's averaging 8.8 yards per carry. Uh, the dude has been a workhorse. He's been great for this team. He's been a great addition. I uh, would love to see another complimentary, uh, a little complimentary piece with him. Uh, hopefully, Nate Pete can get it going. Um, but if not, would love to see another running back. All right, let's get to our last voicemail here. This one is from Gary. Gary, what you got, buddy? Thought the men played well. Thought the young men did a great job against the Bulldogs. Had a chance to win with the ball. Down one score. Just one too many times shooting themselves in the foot. But Coach Drink, he got the boys playing good. Future's looking bright. Feeling pretty good about the outlook of this team the rest of the year. I just wanted to ask you, if they lose to Tennessee but then win the next two, so they finish 9-3, and three, losses to the Dogs, Tennessee and LSU. How are we feeling about this team? How do we think about their outlook going forward? New additions to the SEC. What do we think about that that outcome for our Tigers this year? Thank you for taking my call. Appreciate you, Gary. Appreciate the dogs back there too. Dogs back there in the background. Uh, yeah, it's it's looking ahead. You know, Missouri's got a tough game coming up against Tennessee. Two thirty kickoff time was uh, called by the SEC. Uh, that game will be on at CBS as well. So that's a huge game for pretty much second place in the SEC East. Neither of these two teams uh, can really get they can they can't really get to where Georgia is now because Georgia kind of set themselves apart with this win here uh, with uh, with a big win. Now, Georgia still has to play Tennessee, so that could be that could be something. But if Mizzou beats uh, Tennessee here, they'll be fine. They'll be in second place. Uh, but Tennessee, Florida, and Arkansas, three remaining games on the schedule. Man, we only have three games left. Tennessee, clearly the biggest one left uh, when it comes to, to the two. Good that uh, Tennessee's coming to, to Faroe. They're going to be playing at Faroe in Columbia. Good to see that, but a uh, big game coming up here. And look, if uh, as Gary, Gary talked about, is 9-3 and three feelings about 9-3. and three. Man, I think at this point, it, it, I think you got to get 10 wins. I think you got to get there. I, all three games are winnable. Tennessee hasn't looked phenomenal um, in their in their recent games. Tennessee hasn't impressed me this year either, so it's one of those things where uh, Missouri does, or Tennessee does come off the win of Connecticut, but they barely eke out a win against uh, Kentucky. They lose to Alabama. They beat Texas A&M, which a, a Texas A&M team, which... You know, who knows what Texas A&M team you're going to get. Uh, they've beaten South Carolina. They lost to Florida. So, I mean, there's, all, there's so much about this Tennessee team that is inconsistent. Um, and that's the big thing in college football is consistency. After Missouri, uh, Tennessee does have Georgia and Vanderbilt. So, a potential look-ahead game for Tennessee? Maybe. I don't think they're going to be looking ahead, though, truthfully, uh, when it comes to Josh Heupel. Tennessee has uh, hung a lot of points on <laughs> Missouri the last couple of years when it comes to this game. Um, I think Missouri is going to be keenly aware of that. A big game. A big game when it comes down to uh, to just the implications. 
Right now, Tennessee third in the SEC East uh, with Missouri. Uh, they are at second place in the SEC East. So seven and two. If they end the season nine and three, I think I will be a bit bummed. I don't know if disappointed is the right word, especially coming. You have to take into perspective of where this team was heading into the season. You know, they're coming off of a, another six and seven year, a year where they finished six and six in the regular season. You give me a nine and three season. If you had told me that at the beginning of the year, I've been pretty stoked with that. Truthfully, our expectations change midseason. I think it's 10 wins. I think you, I think you really need 10 wins. I think you got to win out um, here. If you're the Missouri Tigers, if to, for me to feel satisfied with the season, to think, to look back and say, Hey, you know what? That 2023 Missouri Tigers team, they were really good. They were really good. I think it'd have to be 10 and 10 and two. I think your only two losses coming to Georgia and LSU you'll live with that. <laughs> you'll live with those two losses. Um, but I think that uh, that's, that's what's going to be is uh, is a big game against Tennessee this next week. Make sure to listen to the Missouri That's Who podcast where I sit down with uh, Gabe DeArmond, Maggie Johnson. We'll be back on Tuesday. I wanted to record this episode today to have it out. Missouri basketball plays on Monday for their first game. Official game of the season is on Monday, so we'll probably talk a little bit about that as well, but mainly previewing the uh, Missouri game against Tennessee. Appreciate you listening all the way to the end of the podcast. Shout out to our friends at Home Field Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. Use code KCSN23 for 15% off your first order. That's going to do it for this uh, for this week's edition of the Mizzou That's Who Post Game Show. Appreciate you guys listening all the way to the end. Follow me on Twitter at Tucker D. Franklin. I'll tweet out that uh, that uh, that link where you can, that speak pipe link where you can leave your voicemails uh, after the games so we can do this again next week. I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me. Uh, let me know in the uh, in, in the in the uh, on Twitter on Instagram. I'm Tucker D Franklin there too. Let me know in the podcast reviews if you like the post game shows. Want to keep one? I want to do a little bit different. Want to try this out? Want to try it out and see if you guys like it? Uh, but appreciate you guys hanging out with me. We'll be back on Tuesday with another edition, fully previewing this Tennessee game. So until then, I'm Tucker Franklin. We'll talk to you soon. The headlines remind us daily: the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com